Amen. Amen. Somebody give the Lord one more shout of praise in his house this morning. Praise God. Isn't he so good? Awesome. Awesome. Hey, you guys may take your seats here in person. Uh, welcome to Alive, both you guys here in person and all of you joining us online. Welcome as well. We love having you guys tune in and join with us, man. It is a good day to be in God's house. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, we are in this series that we're wrapping up today that we titled Both And. And just by a show of hands here in person, uh, how many of you guys have really enjoyed this series or gotten something out of one of these weeks? All right, let me just see a show of hands. Okay, many of you. Yeah, Eric and I, we've been blessed and just kind of taking this study journey together to look at God's word. And, and we really, we really f- hope and our prayer is that it's been refreshing. Refreshing for a number of reasons, but as we've talked all series, because of the world we live in, As you guys know, we've mentioned this, we live in such a polarizing culture, a culture that puts so much pressure on you and I to pick an either or, to take a stance and take a side, right? And there's a lot of issues that we do need to take a stance on and and know in our heart. But man, there's pressure to be like, if you're not with us, you're against us, you're our enemy, right? And and there's some things in God's word, uh, let's be honest, we've mentioned this along the way that, hey, it it is an either or, right? Like, Like Jesus is the way to heaven, like, and that's not up for debate, right? There's different things, but there's other things as we open up the scripture, as we wanna be mature believers in Christ, where it isn't an either or, but it's a both and. Everybody say both and. It's a both and where God challenges us and encourages us and says, hey, there's a better way. The way the world might pick this or that, but the way of Jesus is this way, right? And let's be honest and let's be truthful. It's a whole lot easier sometimes to just choose the either or, amen? It's like a whole lot easier just like not to have the energy or the uh, try, to, try to figure out how to balance this t- delicate tension between this characteristic trait and this virtue and just pick one or the other and and just die on that hill. But man, I believe as God wants to take us to new places, I believe as God wants to grow us spiritually, to really build us up as the beautiful church and bride of Christ that he wants us to be, that there's some areas in our life where it can't be either or, but it must be both and, amen? And so for for time's sake, for recap, if you guys haven't been with us at all this month, maybe you've missed a couple, just want to give you a quick, really crash course on where we've been. And then I really, excited for the word that God wants, I believe, to bring to all of us today. Uh, Week one was the both and of truth and love, right? We saw that it's not just truth and it's not just love, but God wants us to have truth and love and how we approach him and how we treat other people, right? And once they go together, like that Play-Doh we mixed together, if you were in service with us about a month ago, they can't be separated, right? He wants that to be a part of our life. Week two, we talked about the natural and the supernatural, right? That the God we serve He not only created the natural things, the things we see with our eyes and our physical senses, but he also created the supernatural, the heavenly, the unseen things, right? And and he wants us as individuals and believers to be diligent in the natural. There's some stuff you and I can do in the natural to set us apart, right? But we need to trust God with everything in us for his supernatural, amen? We talked about how it's the natural and the supernatural working together that really is an explosive force for God, amen? In week three, we talked about the both and of who's at your table. You guys remember that one? Who's at your table? We looked at the life of Jesus and his ministry model. How when he invited people to the table, some of them were believers and disciples, and some of them were unbelievers, right? Sinners, tax collectors, right? And, and he, he balanced this delicate balance in his life and ministry of growing and discipling people spiritually at the table, but also evangelistically reaching out to people at his table. And so who are we inviting to our table, right? It's a both and. 
And then last week, Pastor Erica knocked it out of the park with the both and of now and then. Talked about faith, right? And in our journey of faith and trusting God, that faith is both a now thing and it's also a then thing, right? And in other words, we said it's, it's faith and patience, right, that help us inherit all the good promises that God has for our lives. And so pray that you guys have been blessed by that. And if you missed any of those, those are all up on our YouTube or our podcast. Go ahead and take a look at those. But man, today, what we want to do today is uh, the title of my message is kind of the topic of the both and that we're diving into today is blessing and generosity, all right? Blessing and generosity. We're going to kind of look at these two sides of this coin here and really get in. Let's open up with a word of prayer just to ask the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts and our minds and prepare us for what he wants, I believe, to download to us today. Father, we love you so much, and we just thank you for your word. Lord, as you said in your word, you exalted your word even higher than your name. And so, Father, your word has power to transform. Your, pow- your word has power to renew our minds. Your word can reveal your plan and your purpose for our lives, even here on this earth. And so, Father God, we just thank you that your word goes forth boldly. I thank you for wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you'd show us how to navigate the tension between blessing in our life and generosity and what you call us to do to others. Father, we love you so much, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said... Amen. All right. So we're talking about both blessing and generosity. Now, blessings and generosity can refer to a lot of different things, right? You can be a blessing and be generous with your time. You can be blessing and be generous with your intellect and your education. You can be blessed, be a blessing and blessed and be generous with a lot of different things, with relationships, with friendships, right? But for the sake of our time together today, and where I believe the body of Christ really gets hung up the most, when I'm using the terms blessing and, 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 and um, uh, generosity, I'm referring to uh, wealth or money and possessions, all right? And so someone say, oh, shoot. Yeah. He said money and possessions in church. Oh, man, I'm tuning out. It's not one of those churches, right? Hey, stick with me on this journey because I feel like there hasn't been some really solid teaching on this. And if we get caught in one camp or the other, we're going to miss out on what God really does have for us as his kids, all right? And so um, we're going to talk about the tension this morning. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, talk about it. All right, it's, you guys said it, I didn't say it. All right, so we're going to talk about it, all right? So here, 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 let me just paint this picture, right? Amongst the body of Christ, we've kind of got, traditionally we see two sides of the road when it comes to how we believers respond or relate to money, wealth, and possessions, all right? Uh, the one side we have is what I like to call prosperity, all right? People who believe God wants them to have an abundance of money, goods, and blessings, all right? So there's a prosperity side. Then on the far end of the other side of the road, we have poverty, right? People who believe that God desires for them to be poor and have nothing, all right? So, so we got two, two, two sides of the story here, two sides of the road, and, and, and here's the deal. We have a group on one side that is so blessed with so much, and they believe they're holy, and they're walking in God's will for their life. I've got, I know a, a whole nother crowd that believes that people, like, they take a vow of poverty, like, anything good in their life has to be given away, and they can't enjoy anything good in life, and, and they believe because they have nothing, they're holy, and they're mature believers, right? And so you got these two sides of this coin, and without any further teaching, without any further context, each group can be an heir, Each group can miss what I believe God really wants us to experience in this life, right? And and so I believe and we believe that there's two sides and ditches on both sides, but there's often a middle of the road 
that really helps us stay balanced in the word of God and God's plan and will for our lives. And so we're going to kind of talk about this. This is cool, all right? So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to first talk about prosperity. Real quick, everybody say prosperity. Everybody say prosperity. Everybody say prosperity. I had you say it because there's awkwardness when that word is said. Yeah, some of you are like, I said it and that was no problem with fear for me. Other people in this room, and depending on where you're at and what generation, if you're a millennial or you're a Gen Z or you're a boomer or whatever, uh, depends oftentimes what your context is and what that loaded bag of emotions is when you hear the word prosperity. And, and here, I, I'm not here to tell you one way or the other. I'm here to just call out what it is. Unfortunately, over the years in the body of Christ, in ministries, this word has really been given a black eye, so to speak, because of a whole bunch of goofiness by humans, all right? When God wants us to be blessed, which we're going to talk about it, twisting that, and, you know, you, you hear terms like the prosperity gospel. Most people would, like, like would say that's a bad thing. As we're going to find out today that I believe we serve a God who wants us to prosper. Now, we need to define what prosperity is and what that looks like, but just that negative connotation can put a wet blanket on what God wants to do in your life, Right? I see people that have been caught up in covetousness and greed and the love of money. That taken in air can get so fleshly, so carnal, so self-centered, so arrogant, so haughty and prideful that God doesn't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Yet is is his will for us to have stuff or not stuff? Is it okay if we have money or don't have money? How much money? Like, oh, I want God, God wants you to be blessed, but you can't be blessed that much. Like who gets to be the judge on that, right? Like like where do we draw the line? And so a lot of people just kind of say, I don't know, I don't care. Let's just not have too much and not too little, right? But God, I believe, has a perfect will for our lives. We want to lean into that, right? And I realize when it comes to this topic, many people have been hurt, they've been burned, They've been deceived. They feel like they've been manipulated when it comes to money and church and ministry. You've seen some of the scandals and the big people that fall and all of that. It's like, what do we do with all of that? Does that become our doctrine or is the word of God our doctrine? Amen? Does God's will really be his will and his word or is it based on our circumstances of what we've seen gone wrong? Because here's my belief. I don't want a couple bad apples, a couple fruity tooties to ruin the whole bunch. Because if God's got something really good for us as his people, yet we look at just the world to get that definition of that, is that God's will or not, we're missing a huge part of it. And here's the deal. God is the author of prosperity. Not some guy in a three-piece suit on the other side of that TV screen saying, sow a $1,000 seed into my ministry right now and you'll get a hundredfold blessing. I've, just, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've seen the abuse. I've seen the blessing. I've seen someone being led to do that, and they are blessed a hundredfold. But, but like God is the God of blessing. God is the God of prosperity. I'm going to stop using that word prosperity a lot because it, it irks some people. So I'm going to call it blessing. I call my message title blessing and, and generosity, all right? But really, it's prosperity and generosity. And let's take a look at this because I believe God wants you and I to prosper. In Psalm 35, verse 27, it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continue, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, all right? So, so prosperity, this Hebrew word here is actually a word that a lot of us are familiar with. It's the, Greek, or the Hebrew word shalom. We just think that's like peace, brother. Like it's more than peace. 
It means safety. It means welfare. It means wealth. It means prosperity. It means peace, and it means rest. So God delights in the prosperity, the peace, the welfare, the well-being, that there's good stuff in your life in his servant, right? What gives the Lord pleasure? Pleasure? The blessing of his people. Any servants in the Lord here? Anybody trying to serve God with their life to this morning? Come on. I know I am. He, God is blessed. It brings him pleasure. And what did he say to do? Did he say to run as far away from prosperity as you can? No, he said, shout for joy. Get excited about the blessing that God wants to bring into your life. If you're not looking for it, you'll never receive it. If you don't know that God wants it for you, just as much as maybe you need it yourself in your life, you'll never really collide with it, right? Let's flip the script. Let's talk about poverty for a second, right? You can easily, I don't have this for the screen, but you can easily mis, misquote or misread 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, where it says, the love of money is the root of all evil. And I hear a lot of Christians say, the, the money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil. We already talked about that a few weeks ago in our Healthy Money series, right? It's amoral. It doesn't have morals. It's neither good nor bad. It's in the hand or the heart of the one who uses it as the tool, whether it's evil or good, right? And so we can misquote that. And then we can see Jesus talking to the rich young ruler over in Mark chapter 10, right? And he's saying, sell everything you have. And then he turns to the disciple and says, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. So what do we do with verses like that? That means God wants me broke. He says, if I, if I got a certain level of, in my bank account, I ain't getting into heaven? Like, is that what God's saying? And I don't believe that's true, right? But we, we can hear these things. We can just come to the assumption that the best way to honor and serve God is to be poor. The best way to honor and serve God is to have nothing. And, and I believe the enemy jumps all over that. And, and here, here's what I know from the, the word of God. Psalm 34 verse 10 says, the young lions lack and suffer hunger. So animals suffer and lack, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Right? So God doesn't want us to lack any good thing. And as you look throughout God's word, you can see that he is not the author of poverty and lack. All right? The enemy is the author of poverty and lack, right? There has been provision made, and, and here's the deal. On a human level, just put it down on human terms. Any fathers in the room, do you delight and take pleasure when your kids are suffering? Do you delight? Does it make you so happy when they have nothing, even though you know they need something? No, that's, I think that's sick and twisted. And so we got to remember, God's a good heavenly father. He takes good care of of his children. He wants what's best. And there's a balance in all of this. We're going to talk about this, all right? But pause right there. You might be here and you might, you might find yourself in a couple different categories this morning. Number one, you might consider yourself to be very blessed. You have a lot of wealth. You have a lot of possessions. You have a decent home and you feel blessed. And you're like, I feel guilty because I have good things. I believe there's breakthrough for you this morning. You might be on the other side of it and you're like, you know what? I'm struggling. I don't have much, and I've just considered it my lot in life that I will just always be struggling financial. I'll never be able to make it or do this or that. And you've just dialed that in and said, that is what God's will is for my life. I believe that is a lie from the pit of hell, and I believe God wants to give some of you breakthrough as well. Amen? And for some of us that are like, I want to be blessed, but not too much or this, I believe God's going to set us all free in between this morning because here's the deal. There are so many different directions I could go with them message like this today, but I believe there's two simple yet profound things that God wants all of us to leave with today. And so here's my points. Number one is this, God wants to bless you. Number one, God wants 
to bless you. If we're ever going to live the way that God intended for us to live, we've got to settle this one down on the inside. And one of my favorite scriptures to go to is to go back all the way to the very beginning in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings when God creates it all, right? That good Bible hermeneutics or good study of the word looks at the principle of first mention. Where, where something's mentioned first in the Bible, often God's original intent for something is his eternal intent. God's original plan for mankind is his eternal. Now, we know that the enemy came in and jacked that all up with the curse of the law and the curse of the fall, but that doesn't change that that's still God's will for us, and God already made a way and a remedy for us to get out of that junk and experience God's best for our life. His name is Jesus, amen? Where well, he's more than enough. We've already been singing about him this morning. He'll always be more than enough. He'll always be all that you ever need, ask, think, or imagine, Amen? But let's go back to Genesis real quick. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, when God creates man and woman. A lot of us are familiar with this, but if you read it too quickly, you miss a very key detail on when God's setting up humanity and what he does first. Check this out. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created a male and female. He created them. Verse 28, then God, say it again, then God, then God, then God blessed them. And said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Did you catch the very first thing that our God did to mankind? What did he do? He blessed them. He didn't strike them with poverty. He didn't say, don't have any good thing. He said, be blessed, be fruitful, multiply. That ain't just talking about making babies, all right? That's, that's everything, all right? Like, like some of you are like, you're doing a really good job at that verse. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like slow down, all right? Like pace yourself, all right? Others of you are like, it's like, whoa, hey, I didn't know that. Like just meditating on that for a minute can change your whole theology and philosophy and approach to God. And what he thinks about this. Again, no matter, I don't know about you, this, this excites me because you know what this is? This is, this is for everybody. Because we're all male or female. Come on, somebody. Like he created all of us. He knit all of us together in our mother's womb. God's original intent for mankind is his eternal intent for mankind. So here's the deal. No matter how much you have or don't have, God wants to bless you. No matter how much money you grew up with in your home or your socioeconomic status or not, it doesn't matter. God wants to bless you. No matter where you find yourself financially right now does not change the fact that God is so in love with you and he wants to bless his children. Can I get an amen? That spirit of poverty, that poverty mentality has got to lift off of us if we're going to be the church that builds the kingdom of God that he wants to build. I'm not talking about building personally. I'm talking about building the kingdom. Amen? Resource. It takes resources to do mission work. It takes resources to bless uh, other cities with new church plants. It takes resources to love on kids and minister adults. Amen? And if we don't have anything, guess what? Here's what I've learned. You can't give what you don't have. So if you're not blessed, how can you be a blessing? And so, again, just this might be the first time you're hearing about prosperity and all that stuff. We are not like, hey, yo, the prosperity church. I believe that God is a prosperity God. But I like to use the phrase blessing because I think we get hung up on prosperity for whatever reason because of silly God on YouTube. Amen? And so today, I believe that God's breaking off some, some of the religion, some of the, some of the baggage, and I believe he wants to set us free. This is, this is for somebody this morning. Man, for some of you, it's time to step up and say, you know what? I'm not going to live in that poverty mentality. I'm not going to take that lot as my lot in life. 
but I'm going to learn what God's word has to say for me. I'm going to take a step forward in this area. Amen. I love what it says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, the book of wisdom. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Side note, this isn't a message about you getting rich. All right, please don't misunderstand my heart and my tone. I feel like God just wants to minister to us and set us free from some of the bondage and legalism the world has put on us. But did you just read what it said? The blessing of who? The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. The word blessing in Hebrew is ashar. It means to accumulate or to grow rich. The blessing of God in your life can help you accumulate and grow rich. We're going to talk about why in just a minute. So don't, you can get hung up on what I'm teaching here and just focus on this and totally miss the boat on all of this. So there's a second half. Remember, this message series is called Both And. We're only talking about one of the boaths right now. We're going to talk about the and in just a minute. So hang on here in case you're getting like, whoa, what are we talking about here? But we got to see that God wants us to be blessed, right? It says he adds no sorrow with it. What does that mean? God's not sorry for blessing his people. God doesn't apologize for blessing his people. He's not like, oh, shoot, I blessed you, Eric. I didn't mean to. It just kind of squeaked out of heaven. Make sure you give it away and don't enjoy it because, like, you're supposed to be poor, right? Like, oh, shoot, it slipped, right? Like, that's not the God we serve. Yet I feel like sometimes we operate like that. We feel guilty because God blessed us with something good. We're going to talk about how to approach that when a blessing comes in your life. What do you do? What's your filter? And what do you do with it? That's a whole other question. That's being led by the Spirit, being a person of generosity. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But simply put, God adds no sorrow to making one rich, the Lord's blessing. Now, how many of you guys know you can be rich in the world's eyes without the Lord's blessing? I know so many people, especially in our area, in our median income area, that, man, I know so many people that are doing so well financially, like super good, and they don't worship Jesus, they don't come to church, they don't acknowledge God ever in their life, and they're doing well. Now, that's awesome for them, but remember what the scripture says. That's great, but there's a catch to that because there is sorrow with that lifestyle, right? When the Lord blesses us, he adds no sorrow to it. When we bless ourselves and we grind and we do it, there could be some sorrows. I know so many people, so many great people who hustle and grind every week in and out. Their businesses are growing. The employees are coming on. The income and the revenue's coming in and from everything out. And they're great and they are blessed. They are loaded. But it comes at a cost a lot of times. They lose their marriage. They lose your kids. You lose your joy and zest for life. You become this mindless robot. You serve this company or you serve this business more than you serve your family. And you become so caught up in the next deal and the next sale and the next piece of equipment and the next transition and acquisition that your life just becomes consumed with this and there's sorrow with it. Right? Remember Jesus said, hey, don't gain the whole world and lose your soul and so much more in the midst of it. And so the Lord does help us out and then we go into the New Testament and we see this too, that God wants us blessed. In 3 John 2, John says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. This idea that we're not just talking about money and possessions. God wants you to prosper in every area of your life, spirit, soul, body. Now, our prospering is contingent and our health is contingent on how our soul is prospering. That's a whole other message, whole other series, but here's a good question for you. How's your soul? If you're not prospering right now in your life, how's your soul? Because it's in direct correlation to 
the health of your soul, amen? And so that's why the inward stuff works good. But, and then we see Jesus. Jesus comes on the scene. He's teaching his people. He's saying, hey, I'm setting up my kingdom here on God. And what does he say in John 10, 10? He says, the thief does not come to accept to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. This one we have to wrestle with. What did Jesus mean when he said that? I always ask these questions. Does the abundant life and more abundantly sound like poverty lack? It doesn't sound like that to me. When you look up the word abundant in the Greek, it means more than is necessary. Extraordinary, surpassing, beyond measure. Jesus came that we'd have a life that overflows. A life that is blessed. And a life that, man, we could go on and on. We could, we could do a whole eight-week, 10-week, 12-week series on this. But for our time's sake... I think it's becoming clear that, man, we serve a God who wants us to be blessed. But if we just stop here and we just camp out on this and just make this our focus, the both and cannot operate in our life. And God's got a better, higher way than just blessing us to hoard a bunch of stuff, to have a huge house, a lake house, a boat, a this or that. God doesn't care if you have stuff. He wants you to have nice stuff. He doesn't want the stuff to have you. Amen? We've always teach that here. God wants his children blessed, but we're going to turn the page now and talk about the both and because without the outflow of the blessing, we become stingy, we become prideful, we become arrogant, and we become rich snobs. And God is not calling his church to be a bunch of rich snobs. He's not trying to raise a spiritual country club where we have all our needs taken care of and we look down on the sinners and the poor in our community and all that. That is not what Jesus is building. He is building a beautiful family of all socio, all are welcome at the table with Jesus. And all have the same invitation, the original intent, to be blessed. Now, circumstances, decisions, the enemy, family of origin, all this stuff jacks with that. And now we find ourselves in the current state that we find ourselves. But it doesn't change the fact that God's word said that he wants us taken care of. Amen? Are you guys catching what I'm talking about today? And so let's turn the page for the remainder of our time here because... Scripture doesn't say that Jesus came, that we could have tons of wealth and possessions and taunt it and flaunt it and be all that in a bag of chips. He did it so that we can be a blessing and be generous to other people. Because again, if you don't have anything, you cannot give anything. Amen? And so why would God want us to have a life and a vow of poverty to have nothing in our life yet call us to be a blessing to other people? when we don't have anything to give them, amen? And so let's look at, I love how Paul encourages and challenges Timothy to challenge his church in, in 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19. It kind of teases up for the generosity piece. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Side note, it's okay to enjoy the things God blesses you with. That might set somebody free, Amen. He gave you that nice fishing pole. You like the fish? Don't be guilty when you cast and catch a big one on it. Praise him. Because you stink at fishing anyways. Praise him you caught a fish. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he wants you to richly enjoy all things, right? Verse 18, let them do good. Here's the challenge. God wants to bless you and you can enjoy it. Both and, part B, right? Let them do good. Let them be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation from the time to come that they may hold, lay hold on eternal life. Guys, God wants you to be blessed, but he doesn't want you to stop there. And that gets me to my second and final point, which is this. God wants to use you 
to bless others. Amen? It's all about generosity. This blessing, prosperity, and generosity. This both and blessing and generosity. It is a two-step. We should be stepping through life. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I can enjoy it, but be a blessing. You can have fun, but you can be a blessing. But if you hoard it and only go bless, 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 and have no outflow, that is a no-go. That is a bad situation, and that will get us greedy, that will get us money hungry, that will get us focused on possessions and material wealth and get us off the track. And that's when it becomes really hard for that camel to go through the eye of a needle because we're so focused on me and the love of money and selfishness. I need a bigger house. I need a better car. I need a better job. I need a better bonus. I need a bo- and we, we're just focused on that. And God's like, I've got a dying world that I've called you to help reach, and there's no outflow in that life. Does that make sense? So it's important that we get a hold of this, right? Not only does he want to bless our life, he wants us to bless others, right? Remember, remember what Jesus said in Acts chapter 10, verse 35. We all know this. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Receiving's fun. I don't know about you guys. I remember Christmas morning, like, I like to receive. But Jesus says it's more blessed to give. So there's like better joy, a better return on that investment when we choose the generosity route than just the receive route, right? God doesn't care if you have money. God doesn't care if you have stuff. God doesn't care if you have really nice possessions. He cares about your heart, and he cares if those things are consuming your heart, right? Because where your treasure is, your heart will follow. We talked about this a few months ago in our Healthy Money series, right? Wherever our treasure is, whatever we place value on, our heart automatically follows, whether we like it or not. So if we're into all the money stuff and all that, our heart's going to be there. If we're into serving God and loving others, our heart's going to be there, and our generosity will be there. And so which way is our heart leaning? That's a good check for us, right? But um, a good way to fight against materialism and greed and selfishness and covetousness is contentment. We were actually singing about it in that last worship song, Jaira. Content in every circumstance. Paul let us know about this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. He said this, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live in almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Hey guys, this is huge. Contentment is huge. Some of us in the room and some of us online just need to be thankful for what God has blessed you with and start there. Amen. Just be thankful for what you do have. And when we use this word rich, we can't even, when you look at our income, our average income in the room, our average income of the church compared to what people make all over the world, less than a dollar a day, guess what? You're already rich. You're already filthy, stinking rich compared to the rest of the world. So like, does God want us to increase? I, I believe he does. But just so we put it on the level playful, let's be content on what we have. There are people right now that don't know where clean water is coming from. There's people believing God. They don't know where their next meal is for the whole week that they're believing for right now. There's people that do not have a home or shelter. They do not know where they're laying their head at today. So when we get all bent out of shape that we don't have the newest iPhone or the next model upgrade or this or that, man, God, put us in our place, please. Let's be content in every situation, in every state, right? Um, and, and contentment helps you stop chasing the more, right? Because the, the air of blessing is more, 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 more,
right? And we get like materially wealthy fat and there's like starving people over here and we're like, mine, my business did this. My education did this. My family deserves this. And we just hold it. And that's called being stingy. And nowhere in the word of God does God say that he blesses a stingy giver. He blesses a generous giver, an abundant giver, right? And guys, when we're talking about generosity, we can get also in the trap in our, in our kind of camp where we give simply just to get. And I'm going to talk about a promise that happens whether you like it or not and how that actually is how that works. But we don't give to get. We give because we've already gotten everything in Jesus. Amen? We give because it delights the Lord. We give because we're called to be generous people. But here, you want to know the secret? You want to know the secret? Because some of the most wealthy people I know in my life are the most generous people. And they don't even ask for credit. They just do it behind the scenes. They don't have to have a huge check or a big banner or look at me, look how much money I get. They just do it. They're just generous people because here's the secret. Generosity opens up the door for more blessing in your life. Generosity moves the needle. In the math, in the natural, that doesn't make mathematical sense. Give money away and I'll be more blessed, but I have less than when I started, right? Are you tracking with me, all the natural logical people? How does that work? Well, good thing we don't serve a God that has a kingdom of the world. It's the kingdom of heaven, amen? It's God's economy, not the world's economy, amen? So he can take what you give and multiply it and bring it back unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. I just went ahead of my notes, but Luke 6, 38, hey, you give, guess what God says? Give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be poured back into your lap, for with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. The law of sowing and reaping works. Ask any farmer. Any farmers in the room? Any, anybody grow up on a farm? Anybody know how that? The law of sowing and reaping, and I don't have this for the screen, Genesis 8.22, God said in his word, eight, Genesis 8.22, that as long as the earth remains, so will the law of seed time and harvest. What does that mean? Sowing and reaping. What does that mean in our natural? It means the principle of investment and increase. Right? You want to know the secret to being blessed and to stay blessed is to give it away. Everyone's like, Merry Christmas to you. Give it away. <laughs> what? That doesn't make sense. No, I need it. I barely have enough as it is. God's like, I know. I'm looking at your heart. I'm testing you. Money and wealth and possessions is a test from the Lord always. When we get it, we go, yeah, I did that. I earned that. I signed that lease. I bought that car. We're saying, God, thank you for the blessing of this car in my life. Everything in this world is yours. Every gold coin, every dollar bill, every cryptocurrency, every Bitcoin, every all that, it's yours. And you control it and cause it to go. So I'm just blessed to have it. And thank you for the means to have it, right? But we got to be careful on this, right? Because seed time and harvest is at work. And what does it say in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8? Paul teaches us, and in the context of these passages, he's talking about giving financially. And he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you 
abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound with every good work. The Bible says that if you sow, you would reap. And this works financially. This works in other areas. If you need friendship in your life, guess what you're supposed to sow? Friendship. If you need love and kindness, guess what? You sow love and kindness. When you sow love and kindness, guess what comes back unto you? Love and kindness. When you sow nastiness and you show people the tall finger when you pass them on the freeway, guess what you reap? The tall finger. You reap traffic jams where your lane is stuck and everybody else is cruising on it and then you switch over and it stops. That's what you reap. You reap what you sow. If you sow possessions, guess what you reap? Possessions. If you sow finances and money, law, seed time and harvest is there. If you sow money, guess what you reap? Money. People have a hard time about this. We don't give to get, but this is just like how God set it up. And people that don't even believe in Jesus are benefiting from this. Some of the most wealthy people that don't serve God at all, that give a lot away. Guess what? They keep getting more. Why are they getting so blessed? Because they're giving it away. Because seed time and harvest are in place. Sowing and reaping works, right? And here, I want to help you guys with this because this really set Eric and I free because sometimes you need something. You're not sure how to obtain it. You know God wants to meet your needs. You know that when you pray, you pray in faith, you ask all that. But sometimes it's just an outflow issue. I've always been taught, we've always been taught that your need is in your seed. What do I mean by that? Your need is in your seed. It's fall time. A lot of us have taken in a lot of donuts, cider, and apples already, right? If you haven't, hurry up. We know what's coming, all right? If you want an apple tree, what kind of seed do you plant in the ground? An apple seed, right? If you want corn, what kind of corn or what kind of seed do you put in there? <laughs> beans! <laughs> Wrong! Right? If you want beans, what kind of seed do you plant? Bean seed, right? If you want Reese's peanut butter cups, what kind of no, I'm just kidding. Have your kid knocking a couple doors tonight and he'll hook you up with a bag of those, all right? Whatever your need is, it's in your seed. If you need financial increase, guess what you need to sow? Finances. If you need friendship, an increase in finance or friendship in your life, guess what you need to sow? Be friendly to somebody. Show yourself friendly. And uh, Eric and I have learned this in the big and the little and all that, and God's still working on us. We're not perfect, all right? Praise God. Yeah, newsflash, your pastors aren't perfect, all right? We're, we're on journey with you guys, all right? This is a word for us today as well. But we've always found that our need is in our seed, and we've seen experiences in so many different seasons of life, but I want to end with this one story, and it's this. Um, about four and a half years ago, when God called us to leave Kalamazoo, come back to the east side here and plant alive, um, we sold our house, and we loved our house, and we made a really good profit on our house in Kalamazoo. And we needed a house for our family to live here. But God challenged us to rent for a season and just trust him. He said, if you will build my house, I will take care of your house. You ever have a word just spoken that just clings to your bones and you just cannot shake? No matter what you want to do, you try to like get around it, justify it away. And it just like, it's a rainbow word, it's a spoken word to your heart. And you're just like, I got to hold on to that. So we decided to rent. And we sowed a majority of our profit, like a large sum of our profit that we sold our house, we sowed it into the launch of the church by faith. We had no, none of you guys were here yet. No, no one had said, I'm, I'm all about this and I can't wait to serve and this is gonna be a successful church. There was no promise. It was just by faith. I said, Lord, we need a house. He said, build my house. So we sowed, we sowed house money. We sowed it into the house of the Lord. And we waited and we're faithful. And every Sunday we show up 
And I'll tell you what, man, it, was, it hasn't been easy, but man, I'll tell you what, we are so blessed. And I don't say this in a haughty, prideful way, because about a year ago, fast forward to the middle of a worldwide pandemic, God saved the perfect house for our family and got it for an, like a God, you know, you know what I'm talking about when I say a God deal? Like it was a God deal. Like it shouldn't have happened in the market that we have right now with bidding wars and all that. Before market, behind the scenes, teed up, offer written backwards. They told us the price. It lined up with what we were believing God for. We just signed the thing, butter smooth. Don't happen in this market today. God bless us with a home. And I don't say that because like, again, we're trying not to toot our horn, but we're so blessed. And every single day we lay our heads on the pillow. We say, we're, thank you, God, we're so blessed. And we get to share it with people. We get to share it with our church family. We get to hold small groups in this house. We get to see life change happen in this house. We get to hear our kids laugh in this house. But if we didn't sow, I don't think we'd be in it because your need is in your seed. So where are you lacking in your life? The world would say hoard it because you're not sure what tomorrow brings. You're not sure what variant's on the way. You're not sure what the economy's gonna do. God's kingdom says sow it and do it in faith and know that your need is in your seed and he, as you give, it will be given unto you. And the cool thing about giving and sowing isn't like, look at me, I'm gonna get back. It's what God can do with that seed and how it can bless other people. Can I get an amen? You guys have been so generous and so faithful over the years. It's incredible. Can you imagine if no one gave anything every Sunday or every week? How many churches would we be able to plant? Zero. How many missionaries would we be able to support on a monthly basis? Zero. How many kids that are broken and come from horrible families would we be able to reach? Zero, right? God wants his children to be blessed so we can be a blessing, amen? He wants his children taken care of so we can bless other people. Your need is in your seed. I want to challenge you. And you always, a seed always produces after its kind. We found this. When we bless people with tens and we just like, I'll take care of your coffee, I'll take care of your lunch, guess what we reap? We reap in the tens. When we bless people with hundreds, we reap in the hundreds. When you start moving the decimal point, you start moving the blessing. Some of you math people are like, oh, I get that. Man, I'm, I'm blessing people with coffee, but I need a car. It's like, man, you might need to sew a car. <laughs> what am I gonna do for work, right? Seriously, I was out in the yard to, this week and uh, I went in our shed and our, I don't want to say old. Yeah, it was old. Our riding lawnmower that we got on a cheap discount, it was near its end of its life this fall, right? It is, it is now since gone to be with Jesus, right? It no longer cuts grass. So we've been, praise God for some people in our church that let me borrow their mower every week. We got a couple more mows and we're done. So it's empty, but I looked the other day at where it normally sits and I saw a really good lawn boy push mower that I've had just in, just in case of an emergency, just sitting there. And the Lord says, what do you need? I said, I need a riding mower. He says, what do you have? I said, I have a lawnmower. He says, what are you supposed to sow? I said, sir, a lawnmower. And so I'm gonna sow my lawnmower. It's not as much as the rider, but I'll tell you what, your need is in your seed, amen? And so if I sow it in faith and bless somebody else who doesn't have any lawnmower, side note, if you know somebody who needs a push mower, come talk to me, email me. So I wanna, I wanna sow this thing to somebody who's gonna be blessed by it because I know the God, what God's gonna do on the return, amen? And so I've been going too long, but I, I, hope, I hope you catch the heart and the spirit of today's message. You don't leave saying, Pastor Eric and Life Family Church thinks that I'm supposed to be rich and that's all they're talking about. We talk about this like once a year. 
You should be talking about it more because God cares so much about this in your life. Amen? Do you guys believe that God, the Father in heaven, the good heavenly Father, he wants you to be blessed? You have to settle that. But he doesn't want you to get fat and blessed and arrogant and cocky and prideful. He wants you to be blessed, to be a blessing. Blessing and generosity. It's a both and. Somebody say both and. It is a both and, amen. And when we work those things together, man, there is no telling what we can do for the kingdom of God. There's no telling what God can do in your financial situation, in your life, in your marriage, in your home, in your kids. He can change the script. You might've been raised in poverty, always been in poverty. God wants to lift some of us up out of that, not to be cocky and arrogant, not to compare ourselves to others. We're not talking about comparing house sizes and car models and bank account numbers. We're talking about getting it done for the kingdom of God, amen. Life is short. People are on their way to hell right now, and we have an opportunity to do that. And if I'm like, woe is me, I have nothing, is that attractive to somebody who's looking for something? I don't think so. God wants his people blessed so we can be a blessing. Amen? So as we enter the holiday season and all of that, let's remember this. It's like, man, we can get, 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 get. But that's a shallow life. And guess what? I've always heard it this way. You never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. What does that mean? You can't take any of that junk with you. You get to take none of that, but you get to take souls with you. You get to take family members and loved ones that come to find and know the Lord through that generosity. Perfect strangers that are driving by right now in 59. We get to take them to heaven with us as we're generous. And all the people that God will help us impact and be generous towards, we get to take that to heaven with us. So what are we building? And where's our focus? I pray you've been encouraged this morning. I pray you've been challenged this morning. I know I have. And I pray that we would walk in God's perfect will for our life, that we would walk in blessing and generosity. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And we just thank you for today. Man, it's so good to be in your house. It's so good to open up your word. It's so good to know that we, we serve a God and a father who loves us. No matter what we've done, no matter what we've said, no matter what we haven't done, doesn't change the fact that you love us. And Lord, you created us in your image and you first thing you did was bless us. And you, that, that is your heart cry. You haven't changed your mind. You're not a man that you should lie or change your mind. You're not a schizo God. You're a true tried man of your word, God. And if you meant it in the beginning, even though the enemy jacked with it, Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who has redeemed us from the curse of the law, poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. We, because he became a curse for us, because curse is every man who hangs on a tree. Jesus, you went and you took the spirit of poverty and you broke it. You took the spirit of lack and you got rid of it. And you said, I want my children to be blessed so that this world can be blessed, so that people that are in other countries can know the truth, so people in our very own backyard can have stuff that don't have stuff. Father, you thank, we thank you right now to just stir us in our hearts of how we're supposed to be obedient to today's word, Lord. We all have a next action step. I'm not gonna tell you what that is. I believe the Holy Spirit will tell you what that is. But as we respond to that by obedience and with faith, I believe God's gonna do something supernatural in our midst and in our church. So Father, we love you so much. We thank you that you have blessed us. We're content in every circumstance, but we're not satisfied until we see your kingdom come to every heart and every life. And so, Lord, there's more. There's more. There's increase. 
There's new levels. There's new seasons. There's new witty ideas. There's new business ideas. There's new strategies, Lord God. There's new outflows and there's new inflows, Father God. And we just ask you in the name of Jesus, Lord God, help us align with your word and live a life that honors you. And Lord, we thank you that we shall be a blessed people and a generous people. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody greet said, amen. Anybody get something out of this morning? preached on prosperity only like six people left praise god no i'm just kidding it's a heavy one it's an important one one last invitation here john 3 16 god so loved the world that he that he what gave that he what he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is the most blessed being in our universe. Would you guys agree with that? Yet he modeled it for us. He gave, he gave it all. You know what Jesus did? You know what God did? His need was in his seed. What was his need? He needed to save humanity from the sin of this earth. So instead of just waving a magic wand, he sowed his son into this earth and he put him on the cross and he actually buried that seed in the ground for three days. But you guys know, with death and burial also comes what? Resurrection. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. He didn't stay there. So that means you and I don't have to stay there. That means you and I don't have to be under the curse of poverty, the curse of sickness, the curse of spiritual death. He paid the price for you and I so that we don't have to. So we can have a right relationship with God. Isn't that so powerful? His need was in his seed, and he sowed the greatest seed. He sowed his son so that we, you and I could have a relationship with God. Amen. And so we never like to end a service and experience without just giving an invitation. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never received him as your Lord and Savior, there's no better day than today. If everybody could just bow your head and close your eyes just for a minute. No one looking around and online as well, would you reverence this moment? I believe this might be for some of you watching today or even later as well. If you're here today, here online, and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Every head battle, eye, every eye closed. Would you just slip up your hand so I know who I'm praying for today? I can embarrass you or call you out. Praise God. And online as well. We're just going to pray this simple prayer. And I just want to encourage you guys to repeat this after me. Pray it from your heart and know that God hears you. Say this. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. I receive him as my Lord and as my Savior. Jesus, come into my heart, change my life, and help me live a life pleasing to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To further connect with us at Alive, visit us at alivefamily.church. And remember, people matter and Jesus is alive.